If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yeah, that got weird. <laughs> yeah, that got weird. That got real weird. As I say, weird seems to be a place that Sonic tends to go to a lot. That's really true. But hey, before we get started here, hey everyone, welcome to the show that comes after Slightly Civil War, the podcast. Uh, if you haven't watched the episode yet on which is a better character, Mario or Sonic, that's over at escapismagazine.com. All right. All right. So, as is traditional, let's start by establishing our real opinions. Okay. Uh, don't really have any. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole Mario versus Sonic thing is kind of showing our age a bit because this was a big debate probably when we were young. Right. When the debate was more Nintendo versus Sega around the same time that mascot platformers were the really popular thing. Oh, right. Well, and I, th- I think in general, like, neither of them really have a character no no they were they were the mascots (laughs) of their respective consoles and because that particular console war was one of the bloodiest in our memory one of the most competitive (laughs) then the mario versus sonic dichotomy is more natural these days people born in the 2000s probably don't understand the rivalry so much exactly well sonic sonic games are now on nintendo consoles so (laughs) they just don't get it yeah but yeah so all they've all they've ever known is that sega is a strictly a software developer right but back in the day mario was the square and sonic was the cool kid but yeah in general i do prefer mario as a character um i think sonic is like the one of the most awful versions of that like corporate edgelord posturing yeah i know what you mean i mean it starts with uh angry eyes that's always mm-hmm. how it starts oh right. there's a joke that every time <laughs> nintendo of america puts out a kirby game they take the original japanese box art and add angry eyebrows to kirby because that's what americans like <laughs> they like a bit of edge right no it's it's like every uh, uh dreamworks movie has that like that dreamworks smirk where you're just like sh- you just want to punch him in the face like sonic is like yeah, yeah i'm so cool buy my t-shirt at hot topic yeah the dreamworks uh, look he, he's the worst sonic is the worst he still has a pretty dedicated fan base of as oh. we have established weirdos you know, again, a weirdo to me, and not trying to shame anyone for their particular kink, but I personally think they're weirdos. They they take it they take it to a, a, a weird extreme for me. Yeah, I don't yeah I don't know what it is about Sonic, but there's something about it that really attracts the internet weirdo audience. The people who I hate to bring out words like Asperger syndrome, mm-hmm. people with slightly wonky social skills. I think that's a pretty polite way to put it. Yeah. Who then, like, as they their sexual awakening develops, start to develop taking their Sonic fandom into odd places. Well, and, you know, the Sonic canon didn't help. Like, didn't one of the Sonic games had, like, a, a witch, a bat witch Sonic with a bikini on? Like... Yeah. And, well, I guess I can't pretend I don't know the names <laughs> of all these characters. Rouge the Bat is what you're talking about. Well, they, I and mean, I literally don't know the names of the characters. It's a bat with tits. <laughs> See, what started, what started as just this uh, mascot platformer of cool uh, hedgehog 
uh, fighting the evil robot making industrialist man which is a mm. you know, standard sort of setup for a mascot platformer yeah they then started adding more characters to that canon which is a natural enough progression they added tails the sidekick and they added knuckles the like the mascot character who's like a rival to sonic and then it just sort of snowballed from there as the games went along they kept adding more characters and more characters and um people started developing their own original characters mm-hmm. once they'd like uh made that clear and apparently there's this there was this whole drama surrounding the comics where this one guy who had a very weird attachment to his original characters started diverting the comics to be almost entirely about his original characters oh someone who like wrote the official comics yes the official comics mm. i think it, yeah published by archie i think i think what was his name <laughs> you know far more about sonic than i do i'm so and i'm well and I'm, i've been a i've been a video game specialist for many many years now i'm i'm just so sorry about that james wallace wrote comic books oh no those are game books yeah let's see here oh our, sonic the hedgehog archie comics let's see here who were they written by ken ken penders that's that's the one he's the guy that all this drama was around okay apparently there was a lawsuit recently where like the judge found in ken pender's favor he could like maintain ownership of characters he created for the sonic comics like sega didn't own them oh something like that (laughs) well that's that's a big comic that that was a big comic book spiel for for all publishers back in the day whether or not the artists and or writers owned the characters they created i think ken pender was very much sort of doing the thing that a lot of the games did as well, where they were drifting this, the original Sonic concept more into a sort of Dragon Ball Z area. <laughs> oh, God. First of all, that started, like, in Sonic 2. Oh, yeah. Like, all, yeah, already like, in was... Sonic 2, they were collecting gems and turning him into super-powered Sonic. Yeah. The, mm. He went Super Saiyan in that. That's probably how it continued. <laughs> yeah. But you can see a lot of that influence and in stuff like Sonic 2006 and Sonic Adventure. Mm-hmm. It's always new monsters, and it's always about powering up. And it's it's uh, it's such a simple concept, you know. He it's it's the Flash, but he's a cute hedgehog. Boom! Like, and the Flash isn't the greatest comic book hero ever created either. But it's like it should be very simple. He's fast. He fights other fast things. It's funny how they had to come up with Shadow the Hedgehog, which was sort of like the Edge Lord version of a character who was originally intended to be an Edge Lord character. Right. Well, you know, the edgelord sensibilities change over time. <laughs> I, I suppose. Each generation has its own kind of edgelord. Right. South Park doesn't cut it anymore. I think these days you have to be a Nazi to be an edgelord. Uh. <laughs> I think that's the edgelord of the current era. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because it's true. But anyway, yes, Mario is very much the much more universal figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's sort of like Mickey Mouse, really. Uh, I suppose. And I guess, like, he's a plumber because he was a plumber in Mario Brothers, the game that came before Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Where it was just him fighting Luigi in the sewers, right? The arcade game. Yeah, yeah. They were... uh... And in that game, they were established to be plumbers, and that's why they were in the sewer. Yes, because the Mario character uh, predates that, he was in Donkey Kong. Mm -hmm. And he was originally... Uh, dressed up in his normal outfit, the overalls, the blue collar moustache, the flat cap, because that mm. was the easiest way to add personality to his sprite with the smallest number of pixels. They couldn't add a mouth, so they just added like one pixel for his moustache. <laughs> right, right. So that all, his whole design is derived from trying to keep it simple, but uh, seems to have worked. 
It, well, yeah, right. His design is there because of graphical limitations. That's why he has a big nose. That's why he has a mustache. That's that's why he has overalls, so you can see when his arms move. It's just it's very simple, right? Yeah. People bring this up a lot, but uh, there's a lot of characters that are designed just because of the limitation of the art style that didn't have the same amount of staying power. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking of uh, Dizzy from the old Commodore 64 platform series, where because of limitations, they just drew him as a great big blob with eyes and little stubby arms and legs. <laughs> I don't see many Dizzy games these days. Well, wasn't he an egg? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the egg interpretation after came after they'd already designed him as oh, a blob with eyes. Well, I think that speaks for itself. He didn't. He's a blob. Like you can't have yeah. like a blob be a lovable character. <laughs> so people always say the design of Mario was based on limitations, but there was some creativity in the way those limitations were applied at the time. Uh, oh yes, yeah. That's a. This is a a two sided thing where they yeah. had limitations, but they also had a creative spirit. But I, I also like just thinking of Mario as a character, thinking about him as like a working plumber schlub who like, you know, magically goes to this fantasy realm to rescue a princess is a really fun idea. It's a, yeah, it's a weird idea. And depending on which Mario canon you ascribe to, Mario mm-hmm. is either a human from our world who travels through a magic toilet or whatever to yeah. get to the Mushroom Kingdom. Or he's just always been there as a human. I mean, this is going by the Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island canon, where he's a baby and he's already in the fantasy world. That's right. That's right, where he was born. Well, and and like I said, my my research here involved just literally reading the original instruction manuals to glean any... uh, any world building I can. So here's here's what it says in Super Mario Brothers 1. Mario, the hero of the story, maybe, hears about the mushroom people's plight and sets out on a quest to free the mushroom princess from the evil Koopa and restore the fallen kingdom of the mushroom people. See, it's interesting it says he's the hero, maybe, because there was actually, I don't know if you know this, there was a Japanese anime adaptation of Mario before any other adaptation of video games. Really? I did not know that. It is very, very old. It's hard to find now, but uh, Mario as a character is still in a very undeveloped form. And at the end of that anime, uh, the princess actually marries a prince who is not Mario. Ah. There is a prince who was like uh, under an evil spell or something and gets turned back into a human. And Mario just has to go back to his plumbing job or something. I'm looking this up. But you know, Mario's always rescuing the princess, but the princess... I don't think it's ever been established that they're in a relationship. No, no. They really the they they've just established that they're friends over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's... so much so in Super Mario uh Odyssey, like Peach basically leaves Mario at the altar, right? And says, Peace. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's about as far as they've gotten in terms of establishing a more than just friend stroke worker employee relationship. <laughs> right, right. See, I've always got worker-stroke-employee vibes from it. I always thought Princess Peach is just constantly going back to her abusive boyfriend and regretting it. (laughs) And Mario is just a sort of handyman who lives around the castle, and uh, this is part of his uh, remit. This is part of his job contract. Ooh, or, you know, we could just go straight up, you know, hero's journey here. And I like the idea of Mario being... Like just a general castle worker. Yeah, that's yeah. that's really fun. Like, yeah, he works around the kingdom. No one really pays him much mind because he, like, you know, he fixes the toilets in the castle. Yeah, 
This sort of implies that he sort of drunk the Kool-Aid in terms of the bourgeoisie oppression that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> well, I think I mean, it's, it is true because, and I, I know I've seen this on, you know, fun internet speculation videos about the original Mario Brothers because the weird thing about this game is it says, uh, you know, one, one day the kingdom of the peaceful mushroom people was invaded by Koopa, a tribe of turtles famous for their black magic. The quiet, peace-loving mushroom people were turned into mere stones, bricks, and even field horsehair plants. Okay. And so part of the implication there is that the bricks that Mario is jumping on and breaking are inhabitants of the Mushroom Kingdom. Well, they knew the risks. <laughs> they, they are also happy to lay down their lives for the salvation of their princess. Because everyone in the Mushroom Kingdom has drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, and I that that is why I liked going on that bourgeoisie rant because, like, that's that's all it is is it's saving the princess, but like, from who for what reason? Bowser, for all we know, could be like the great rebel emancipator, Bowser could be Luke Skywalker. You notice in like pretty much every game after Super Mario Brothers 1, Bowser is established to be the king of the Coopers, he has mm. his own kingdom, he has his own castle, yeah, he rules over all the monsters. Mm-hmm. So my interpretation is that Bowser's revolution was not a failure. He kidnapped the princess so that his uh, demands would be met. Uh, the demands were met. He was uh, allowed his own kingdom. And now all this kidnapping business that happens like year on year out, this is just a sort of annual tradition between the two countries to sort of remember the revolutionary war that created the status quo. <laughs> And they're actually, well, and that would make sense uh, in canon with the other game. So, like, they're actually, like, in a peaceful relationship. They go karting together. They play tennis yeah. together. But every exactly. every year they have the annual kidnap the princess event. Yeah. And obviously <laughs> they all have to pretend that they're all really upset about it. Oh, of course. Of it's course. Just, you know, outsiders just don't understand. It's part of the national identity. And every year they come up with, like, new challenges for, you know, the Mario or whomever. Yeah. And that's why... Have I... you ever noticed whenever the princess gets kidnapped, the route Mario has to take to rescue her always seems to entail going through everywhere in the world? Oh, of course. Every single outpost, every single community. He's doing the parade. He's, uh, he's just passing by all the civilians to do the wave and photo ops. It's like the Olympic torch. It's like the Olympic torch thing. Yeah, see... This is brilliant. This is, well, and if you think about it, like, this is probably, like, a, much like the Olympics, this is a huge tourist opportunity for all of these neighboring countries where they probably, yeah. like, vie with, like, advertisement campaigns to get Mario. Like, oh, no, we have a, we have a new uh, pyramid in our desert kingdom, Mario. You should really come through here to rescue Princess, and that'll bring in the tourist dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and all the tourist monsters want to get killed by Mario so they can get a photo taken and tell the of kids of course oh this is this is brilliant oh 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 i got i got the position of first goomba in world one those <laughs> guys have killed more players than anyone else shut up you have first goomba what like you're you're like you're like an olympic athlete we're like i've been training i've been training every day to be first koopa and i got the position thanks mom they go back home they're on cereal boxes yeah because <laughs> they don't they don't die they just sort of jump off the world I suppose. Because they're done, you know. It's like someone uh, grabbed their rag in touch football. <laughs> oh, you got me, Mario! Did you get Did you get the picture? Did you get it? Because if you play all the, like, the Paper Mario stuff, 
it's established that all the Bowser monster characters are all um, uh, they don't they don't necessarily work for Bowser. They've all got their own towns and do their own business. So you can like hang out with them. You can make friends with a few. This makes an absurd amount of sense to me. Is all I'm but saying. See, this is the why. This is the strength of Mario as a character because you can interpret it a lot. You can bring your own interpretation to it a lot. Well, and you would say strength, but I would also part. You know, part of my original argument for the episode was that uh, Sonic is a better character because Sonic has a character. Mm. I think that also applies here. Mario has so little to him that we we can delight in all of the fun possibilities but he has nothing mario has nothing as a character he has uh it's a me and uh <laughs> he wears a hat he's got that he's an italian american or an italian mushroomian but you're right things are actually established about sonic the canon of sonic is a little bit wonky oh of course but uh there does seem to have been an ongoing series of events that have developed the characters and caused him to meet new characters hence the ever-expanding entourage of friends that nobody else likes uh, honestly no one likes them but and i and i guess that's that to me is like if if we're talking about stronger characters even though i dislike sonic's character traits technically speaking he's a stronger character yeah i mean i know you, i know what you mean it's like saying a piece of blank paper is a stronger piece of writing than an essay because it could be anything you imagine yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mario is the blank paper, and Sonic is an essay. It's a terrible essay, but it's still something. I always preferred Luigi as a character, to be honest. Uh, I agree. I mean, as soon as Super Mario Brothers two came out, and Luigi could do his like wiggle jump, I never yeah. went back to Mario. But uh, in like later games that have more like story based stuff, and they actually allow characters to have character, Luigi mm-hmm. has flaws usually. He's generally portrayed as uh, cowardly, like somewhat envious of Mario's position. Whereas oh, even yeah. in these games where characters are given personalities, Mario is still kept as the blank slate. Except for times where Mario is just clearly the jerk. Like sometimes Mario is mean to Luigi. Example. Um, I want to say, I want to say... Uh, I mean, Mario's mean to Yoshi at times. We've seen that when he... Well, he smacks Yoshi around. Yeah, rides on him, jumps off him when he needs a second jump and condemns I, Yoshi to the pit. Mario is mean to Luigi by omission. Uh, Luigi in, uh, for example, your your uh, Paper Mario-esque games, I'm, I'm thinking of specifically the Mario and Luigi like inside story, the, the DS games. Oh, yes. All the other characters do nothing but make fun of Luigi and Mario just lets it happen. Yeah, fair enough. And so Mario might not be outwardly mean to Luigi, but he sure stands by and lets it happen. I guess he's just kind of oblivious. <laughs> I mean, Mario, when it reaches the point that Luigi's in actual physical danger in those games, Mario always seems very distressed. Sure, that's true. Because they're bros. <laughs> but as I said, I prefer characters that have flaws. I've mm. never liked flawless characters, either reading about them or writing about them. Mm. So I like Luigi having flaws. I like that he has to work to overcome those flaws. Once again, this is a this is a fine example of why we can't give our real opinions on the show because we just agree too many times. I suppose. <laughs> no, Luigi as a character, like especially in his solo games and his in his lovely ghost hunting adventures. The fact that he is so scared, but perseveres over his own fear. Yes, he has to push himself. 
Exactly. Oh, beautiful, beautiful times. Man versus self, the classic drama. <laughs> and Sonic, yeah, Sonic is another character without flaws. Y- yes, even like his, even his flaws are perfect flaws. Like, oh, he's just too fast. Yeah, <laughs> he's that's so not a flaw. Fast, he gets bored by slow people. <laughs> yeah, just let's, let's like put on record people writing characters in video games. Here are a list of things that do not count as flaws. Okay. I'm ready. Being very determined. That's not a flaw. (laughs) Being too angry all the time. That's Mm. not a flaw either. Mm -hmm. Being concerned that you can't save everyone. Not a flaw. A flaw, when I talk about flaws, I'm talking about something the character needs to overcome to prevail. Something that gets Mm, in the way of the character's success. I like that. So like something that's like not a flaw is a character who jokes around, but something that could be a flaw is a character who doesn't take things, anything, seriously, and that gets them in trouble. Yeah, but you have to have it get them in trouble at some point. Right, like, I I was thinking specifically of, like, a Nathan Drake-ish character who's like, oh, his character flaws, he's too cocky and and quick-witted. But but then he succeeds all the time, so... Exactly, (laughs) But what if his cocky nature or his tendency to joke around got him in trouble? As with Luigi, I tend to prefer Tails as a character in the Sonic canon. I was a younger brother, so I, maybe I gravitate to the sidekicks. Hmm, sure, sure. No, and I, I honestly, I have never given a second thought to, I mean, Sonic or any characters in the Sonic universe. They, I've, I've hated all of their games. I hate all of their characters. I think they're just a big waste of space. Yeah. So. <laughs> Especially when they all start uh, blurring together a lot. I mean, for the for the latest Sonic game, Sonic Forces, they brought back everyone. They brought back that weird psychic hedgehog from Sonic 06 that nobody liked. I was like, it seems weird to do that. It seems like you're... I mean, it feels like the writers are committed to the canon that's been created when they really would create a stronger product if they weren't. Uh, that's that's business. <laughs> that's just business. They Well, who the fuck was vying to see that dude again? Who the fuck would have said, well, I thought the game was all right, but I really wish they'd brought back that one fuck nobody liked from Sonic 2006? Who would have been saying that? The internet weirdos that we started this conversation talking about. That is their core audience. That is who they're looking to bleed dry with all these Sonic games. And so they need to include every every single little character that someone has a fan art of naked on the internet uh, in the new game. So that person has uh, reason to make new fan art. Well, I suppose I agree with that. I've wondered aloud in the past who the fuck is still buying Sonic games. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> they haven't been good for a very long time. What was the last good Sonic? I guess some people liked Sonic Generations. I didn't really. Uh, you know what I thought was okay? Well, you know, and more so just because it was an interesting twist is, do you remember the turn-based Sonic game? <laughs> the turn-based RPG? Was that the one what that was, was developed by Bioware? Yes. Of all people. Oh, what Yeah, they, Dark Brotherhood on, like, on the DS. Yes. You know what? That was, uh, I mean, as far as like a turn-based rpg goes it was it was all right it was fun you know <laughs> like i haven't played that i'd take your word for it it oh i'm not that that is not a recommendation that <laughs> what i'm saying is as a, as an official sonic hater completely getting rid of everything i've hated about the sonic game made it interesting to me so it, mm. it, i did kind of like sonic colors 
Sonic Colors was uh when did that come out? It was on the Wii. It was the one that was before Generations. Sonic. But Sonic Colors had the good idea of stripping things back down to Sonic and Tails, Fight Robotnik. Mm-hmm. No fucking friends. No fucking additional boss character who's a more edgier version of Sonic. It was just... And it was lighthearted, and it had some interesting new gameplay quirks and some levels that mm-hmm. were based around running around very fast and uh, the strengths of Sonic as a gameplay. Mm. And I remember thinking that the dialogue in the cutscenes was actually pretty funny. Or rather, it would have been funny if they'd said the funny line and then stopped talking. <laughs> oh no there was this terrible habit of someone saying a funny line and then continuing to talk which is one of my pet hates in video game open quotes funny writing they they paul figied it they'd say yeah. quippity quippity quip and then ha ha that was a funny joke yes it sure was i'm gonna write it down and laugh about it later <laughs> yes yes uh that's the borderlands problem they don't write wit they just keep <laughs> writing until the line sounds vaguely funny uh, yes and then even even after it's vaguely funny then they continue along those same lines they keep hammering it over and over and over again because that was funny right so we should say it again right because that was pretty funny that was pretty funny we should definitely say that like 10 more times yeah uh yeah yeah you know I was just, uh just in my head ready ready for something out of the box here you know the best not sonic sonic game okay <laughs> i'm uh i'm following you down this rabbit hole here, here's what I'm thinking about, is a, a game that has embodied everything Sonic kind of wanted to do, but I feel failed at, is Super Meat Boy. Ah. Incredibly fast-paced platformer. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a very fast-paced platformer. Like, and especially if you think about, like, those, the longer levels, like the boss levels where it was just a side-scroller and it was just fast-paced, mm. uh, side-scrolling, platformer, precision-based that that's the game if you're going to make a new sonic game look to super meat boy go fast give us a ton of room in front of the camera so we know what's coming up and 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 fast precision platforming boom that certainly creates the uh super fast gameplay that sonic was going for yes it's not creating the uh the cool rad 90s anti-hero vibe that it was going for right from the beginning well i put some fucking loop-de-loops in there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, fucking loop-de-loops you know what a loop-de-loop is it's it was basically the um unskippable cutscene of its day <laughs> like there's no way to fail going around the loop-de-loop right zoom. oh that was impressive well back to um mistiming my jumps <laughs> it, it was it was pure spectacle no gameplay 100 percent agree those fucking loop-de-loops that was what annoyed me about those old Sonic games. And it got worse as they went on. That Half the level would just be like a, a sequence mm-hmm. of loop-de-loops and ramps and uh, impressive displays of movement around predetermined things. Right, and you wouldn't be and pressing a, a button. At a certain point, you just take your hands off the controls and it just does it all for you. Annoying. I I, I honestly don't understand. Uh, I, 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 I try. I try to understand why there's love for Sonic because... If you grew up and all you had was a Sega Genesis, I guess I could see that. Like, oh, that's the game I grew up with. But looking back on it now, no one should think these games were any good beyond nostalgia. Yeah, they had um, they had impact when they came out because, you know, angry eyebrows and all that. <laughs> uh-huh. But 
I, I think I agree with you. The gameplay is very flawed. Going back to it, the uh, the attempt at fast pace without much visibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in theory, 3D should work in that it gives you more visibility when you're running very fast into things. But uh, 3D Sonic has never really worked out. Kind of like a like a, a Sonic game from a, a racing game perspective. I always think it's something Sonic had in common with Castlevania. When it goes into 3D, it never works. <laughs> Which is weird because it really should, as long as you can give it. I mean, there have been there have been Sonic racing games, even ones that people seem to like. Yeah, but usually Sonic's in a car, right? <laughs> like, I think it depends on what game you're playing, games. I suppose. I think there's somewhere he's got a car, and there's somewhere he isn't. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It, to to me, it's a very simple thing, and and we've uh, I th- I feel like we've gotten it right in other games as far as like fast paced precision platforming goes. Yeah. Um, what's what's that fantastic minimalist? It's more platforming and less speed, but there's speed involved. Uh, it's called like N plus, I want to say. I was just thinking that yeah. when you brought up Super Meat Boy, because mm-hmm. Super Meat Boy was quite inspired by N plus. It's a great. And uh, sorry if, if anyone hears my dog lapping up water. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what that was. That's Cookie. Um, we have a little bit of construction going on in the house now, so Cookie has to spend her days in my office, and it gets rather hot in here because I turn off the air for recording right. audio. So, you know. I turn off the air so you don't hear uh, any uh, obnoxious noises in the background, like a dog lapping up water. <laughs> well, I'm a dog person, so I find the sound of a dog lapping up water to be reassuring. Like, ah, uh, it's good to know my dog is hydrating itself. That's the thing. You know, she's taken care of. She's an adorable dog. Uh, you know, I post pictures of her if you need to, if you just need to look at a cute dog while you hear the gross noises. Yes, but <laughs> this is relevant because Sonic is also a cute character. Who has to hydrate themselves, presumably? <laughs> wow, that was a great way to bring it back. Well, they're not too much because you might drown. And there's a certain oh. generation where if you play the drowning music from Sonic 2, they will instantly have a panic attack. <laughs> oh, that's right. The underwater levels. Jeez. Yeah. This is taking me back. This is taking me back. But anyway. But anyway. I, you know, you know who I do like as a character? Tell uh, me. Dr. Robotnik. Yeah. I think he's a fun villain. He's got stick to itiveness. And you know what's a great thing about Dr. Robotnik? He never asks captured animals to get inside dubiously built robotic machines without demonstrating his own willingness to get inside his own dubiously <laughs> built robotic machines. He, he leads by doing. Yeah, he's a hands-on boss. A lot of bosses would delegate those boss fights, but no, every single boss fight, he's there on the ground floor, on the coal face, grinding up hedgehogs. All his little animal employees, see, he shows up first thing in the morning, he's the last to leave. He's putting in the work. He's not all talk. He's <laughs> he's, he's dedicated and uh, attracts quite a large workforce. Absolutely. Well, I just, I, I think he's a more interesting villain than your Bowser. Um, again speaking of characters bowser what he's he's a a fire-breathing dinosaur that apparently can cast black magic uh yeah and he's princess peach's abusive boyfriend right whereas dr robotnik he's he's more of a a a nice cartoony villain just just easy like ah evil scientist i love that yeah i mean bowser's motivation is kidnap princess forcibly marry presumably rape right Dr. Robotnik's motivation always seemed quite uh, vast and nebulous and going quite a ways beyond just fighting Sonic. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, oh, he, no, he, he has... wants to build his own like city or something. He wants to uh, impose his vision for society on the world. And at least he has a vision. At least he's trying to construct. At least he's not just destroying everything with no uh, ideas for alternatives, like what Sonic does. He said, no, everything's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine chilling out in this meadow, so everything's fine. I don't care about the plight of the working class. I, I guess I, you have to assume that Dr. Robotnik is trying to use the animals in robots to take over the world. It actually doesn't say. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Ivo Robotnik, the mad scientist, is snatching innocent animals and turning them into evil robots. Only one tough dude can put an end to this demented scientist's fiendish scheme. It doesn't say what he's using them for. Yeah, but what is the functional difference between that activity you just described, taking animals and forcing them into robot bodies, and taking working class people and forcing them into blue collar labor? Uh, yes, but I, I'm, and I guess what I'm saying is that's why Sonic is the better character because he's tearing down the establishment. But he's got no vision of his own. It's just destroy what Robotnik builds. So uh, sometimes you got to start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the, the it's easier to start from zero than from. Eh? Yeah, that sort of tailed off, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of tails off. But he's not starting anything. He's just hanging out in the green meadow. Well, we have to assume that the animals live in the meadow okay before Robotnik. I mean, Robotnik's, because we're... Robotnik's presumably got backers. I mean, you can't build a city. Presumably whoever owns the land that all this is going on has uh, sorted something out with Robotnik, which is why the animals have to take the lead on trying to stop him. Oh, right. But then then we just get into illegal land fortitude... Uh illegal land uh, who who bought that land that the animals use this is classic imperialism like owned land well what were they doing with it they, uh, yeah, living there they were developing <laughs> nuclear plants and strip malls they weren't bringing real economy to the area exactly they were just you know living happily and uh, and doing whatever they wanted well there's no future in that well there, I, I think there, I think there is, <laughs> I think there is, man. Well, what, what are they going to do when uh, China invades? And China, with its uh, factory farmed nice meadows to chill out in, mm. they'll come crawling back to Robotnik. Then, please reintroduce us to the wonders of uh, production lines. Exactly. What if too many animals show up just wanting to chill out? How do you feed them all? <laughs> starts with uh, farming and then you want to farm more efficiently and the next thing you know you've got a like a six acre agricultural concern well and see i suppose then that's what you're talking about there is natural progression i think if if anything robotnik was trying to force too much too soon he was he was trying to skip the natural steps and just force people into his own thinking where whereas if the animals would have come to this conclusion uh by their own means by their own needs we could have had uh evolution in stages instead of the uh, forced labor of robotnik if we waited for people to come around to realizing what's progressive, women still wouldn't have the vote. That's true, but sometimes the best way to fight the evil system is by literally fighting it. And that's what Sonic is doing. Sonic is, is fighting the man. All right, so in conclusion, you're pro-terrorism. Terrorists is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs>
Well, on that note, perhaps we should wrap this up. Before before uh, I, I go full-blown eat the rich, we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast that comes after Slightly Civil War. I was Yahtzee Croshaw. And I was Jack Packard. Make sure to listen to the, uh, watch, listen to the episode over on escapismagazine.com. And remember that we have uh, our YouTube premium memberships where you can watch episodes a week early and ad-free. And our Escapist Plus memberships where you can watch all episodes ad-free on the site and ask the creators questions that we will answer. What fun. Yay. So much fun. All right. Well, catch you next time, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.